Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. He's still in Arizona. I'm still in Wisconsin, but Kawhi Leonard's in a whole nother country. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Shipped off to the great metropolis of Toronto. Matt, you're a Spurs fan. Yeah. What is your reaction as a Spurs fan to the news of the deal, first of all, and then I want to talk about the way the Spurs, uh, I don't know if you saw their press release where they neglected to mention the Defensive Player of the Year's, the first team All-NBA's, or the Finals MVP award. I did not see that, no, no. Um, I mean, well, okay, I'll give you I'll give you that first. I guess from that perspective, I didn't see that, but I can say um, I'm not surprised, and I don't necessarily think that's petty. I mean, look, it's a trade. If he, if he was retiring, it'd be a different story. I mean, DeRozan didn't get a press release at all. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can, I can say from the standpoint of having worked in PR for a pro sports team, when a guy left, when a guy got released, when a guy got traded, whatever, I mean, the the release didn't go on and on with plaudits about that guy, you know, because that guy's not on your team anymore. I mean, not to say, you know, now there's a few circumstances. If a guy's, you know, I bet they did for Tony Parker, do something. But Tony Parker was there for 17 years. Um, Kawhi Leonard was there for seven. Uh, you know, and certainly a big part of the last championship team, not to be ignored. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think they're doing anything to try to, like, you know, scrub him from their history. But, you know, do they need to go on and on with, you know, bouquets of flowers thrown his way? I don't think so. And not now. Maybe, maybe later. Maybe at the end of his career, they'll retire his number and and they'll come back together in harmony. Who knows? Um, as far as what I thought of the trade from that, I, I thought, it, you know, I think it's probably as good a deal as they could have gotten. I mean, no one will ever know for sure what else was on the table. But, um, you know, from what you read, what I've read about it, the big prize, you know, young player package that the Lakers, the Celtics, whatever, wasn't out there. Those teams weren't offering that. You know, the idea of going to get Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, uh, you know, I don't think the Lakers were offering that. And so, you know, yeah, you can sit here and say, well, they should have taken the Lakers deal. Well, we don't really know what the Lakers were willing to give. And they got an all-star back for him. Um, you know, not a, not as good a player, but still an all-star. Well, and and a guy terrible. who played last year. You know, exactly. He was an all-NBA yeah. player. He had know. his best year. had the best year of his career last year. You know, and yes, they flamed out in the playoffs. Um, and he's had some playoff flameouts. No, no doubt about that. No argument of that. But you know, had the best year of his career last season. Uh, was a you know uh, not really an MVP candidate, but was on the radar for it at, at you know the midway point of the season with Toronto having played so well. Um, you know, a few guys obviously ended up separating themselves, and uh, you know he wasn't he wasn't one of the finalists, but. Uh, you know, a good player, and you pair him with LaMarcus Aldridge and Rudy Gay, who they brought back. Good young point guard with DeJunte Murray. I mean, it's it's a team that feels like they could make the playoffs. Um, can they win the title? Probably not, but very few teams are going to go into next year feeling like they legitimately can win the title. And so being competitive, you know, having a team that can win 50 or so games and get to the playoffs and maybe, maybe get to the second round and see what happens, uh, you know, there are worse outcomes than that. One of the takes I've heard, which I think, if true, is absolutely fair, is that if Pop only has two years left, he doesn't want those two years to be a sure. rebuild. Sure, sure. Um, and, and it is. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's a harmony there because, yeah, he may only have one or two years left, but others don't. You know, there will be Spurs basketball after Popovich, just as there was after David Robinson and Tim Duncan and now Tony Parker and you know pro sports don't stop for anybody they keep going and you've got to have an eye toward the future um, but it's not like they're a super old team I mean LaMarcus Aldridge is not old DeMar DeRozan is not old I mean you know so so the uh, you know it's not like they went all in with a couple of you know 38 year old guys and you know it's like well geez you gotta have an I mean you know these guys can play for a while and and then if you know look if DeMar DeRozan doesn't like it in San Antonio he can go after you know three years, and then they'll have money to spend on someone else uh, because you know the, the you know the wheel keeps spinning. Like I said, yeah. Well, and then you've got you know Pirtle coming back in the trade, who sure. is no you know he's no one's idea of uh, no, I mean you know legend, you know, I don't think but he's, he's a no. look, he's a rotation big in Solid the modern NBA. Big man. Uh, 
young, young with, you know, room to get better. Um, you know, a, a uh, you know, decent college player. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you remember watching ASU play against him a couple times. I do, uh, you know, he was a good college player, a, a lottery pick, I believe. Um, you know, bound for Springfield, probably not, but, you know, a solid player. You get a, a, a potential first round pick. I mean, if Toronto is pretty good as they should be, you're probably going to get a pick between the, you know, 20 and 30 range next year. Not a great pick, but you know, it's something. And you, you know, you, maybe you can use that and your own pick to move up if you want to get somebody in the draft. Um, you know, into the into the teens. Uh, you know, maybe late lottery, something like that. Um, so you know, it's 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 unfortunate. I mean, it's certainly not the outcome I would have hoped for a year ago. I mean, if you had told me last year at this time, you know, that Kawhi Leonard would get traded in the offseason, I'd been like, well, why, why would you do that? That's insane. But that's the reality of it. Time changes, and, you know, uh, Ron Burgundy didn't hear the song, but you and I have. Times, they are changing, and, and they're changing in San Antonio, unfortunately. On the flip side for Toronto, sort of a crazy offseason teardown, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. coach of the year, Dwayne Casey gets fired. Best player. Best player maybe in the franchise history? Is that fair? I wouldn't go that far. I know people have heard, it's funny you bring that up. I heard people saying that yesterday. Uh, to me, Chris Bosh and Vince Carter both had better careers with the Raptors than DeMar DeRozan. I agree on Bosh. Carter, Carter was short-lived and didn't want to be there. Um, no, but but man, I mean, the peak of Vince Carter's career happened in Toronto. Now he's had a lot of other stops since, and he was really good in New Jersey too. Um, you know, but the, the dunk contest, and they got to the conference finals, which is you know as far as they've ever gotten in the playoffs. Now they did that again, uh, you know, was two years ago I think, or three years ago with with DeRozan. Um, but uh, to me, Vince Carter, Chris Bosh are the now again. I mean, it's a short-lived franchise. They. They don't have a uh, Michael Jordan or a Tim Duncan or somebody like that who you can say, well, that's an all-time legend. Um, but I would not rank him above those two for the impact on the franchise. But I'm not a Raptor fan. You know, Raptor fans may disagree with me, I guess. We'll have to wait and see when Drake weighs in on who yeah, the exactly. greatest yeah, Raptors he's a are. Die-hard, long-time Raptor fan. I'm sure he remembers everything. Um, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean. Maybe I'm maybe I'm falling victim to the fact that Vince Carter's a bigger star and was a bigger star. Um, you know, Bosch was Bosch was really really good. I mean, you know, it, it happened a lot in anonymity because they weren't very good. Um, but you know, Bosch to me was was one of the you know top 15, 20 players in the game during his prime, and most of that prime was with Toronto. Obviously, you know, he won the titles with Miami, and we remember him from Miami. But you know, his best years as an individual were with the Raptors. In fact, he sacrificed a lot of that to go to Miami. He did, he did. yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you're right, you know, getting getting back to your point, yeah, I mean, for a team that was the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, um, you know, won close to 60 games. I don't think they quite, I think they won 58 or 59, something like that. But, um, you know, to, to fire your coach and trade your best player is not normal, but, you can see why. I mean, they have they have banged their head against the glass ceiling the last few years. Now, you could make the argument that that glass ceiling was LeBron James, and that's no longer there in the East, and maybe they could have run it back with the same crew. Um, obviously, they decided to go, you know, another way and, and not just presume that just because LeBron left the East that that means the door is open for them to win the East with the same exact group. It does make you wonder what they would have done if they would have known the offseason was going to play out as it did as far as Dwayne Casey. Would they have kept him if they had known LeBron was going to the Lakers and that they'd have the chance to add Kawhi but have to give up DeRozan? You do wonder. I mean, um, I I felt like getting rid of Dwayne Dwayne Casey was a move of we can't just keep running it back the exact same recipe and it's easier to fire the coach than make a big change with your roster. And now they've ended up making a somewhat, you know, I mean, not an overhaul of the roster, but certainly when you trade away one of your best players, if not the best player, for another all-NBA level player, that's a pretty big change to your roster as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, and they never say so, but, yeah, you do wonder if, 
if they had known they could get Kawhi Leonard in this trade, maybe they would have said, you know what, Dwayne Casey, pretty good coach, he's done well. Let's stay the course here, and we'll shake things up roster-wise instead. Yeah. The other big news of the week was the All-Star game, but more than the All-Star game was all of the craziness that surrounded it between the Josh Hader tweets, which, yeah. you know, you can... We're, we are in a time now where if you have said something publicly, you need to make it private or delete man, it if you are man, famous. Because you're 100% it, right. They're everybody, every athlete, actor, whatever should be, you know, rushing to whitewash their, you know, Twitter accounts from from years past because, yeah, I, I don't know what you think about it. I We talked about it in relation, I believe, to Dante DiVincenzo when the exact same thing happened to him. I am not a fan of this trend of digging back into someone's social media from five, six, seven, eight years ago and using it to demean their character. I'm just not. I just don't feel feel good about that at all. I think that the way the MLB handled this situation was about as good as it could be done, and Hater too. Uh, yeah. After the game, he was given the option to not answer questions, and he right. didn't take it. He sat there. He answered the questions. Yeah. Uh, his teammates uh, spoke up immediately right. in, in support of him, but he owned it. He said, these were my tweets. I, I yeah. shouldn't have yeah. said it. I regret it. It's not reflective of who I am today. Um, and the MLB said, we're not going to suspend him. The Brewers said we're not going to suspend him for something he did in high school before he was even no. a professional. But exactly. at the same, but at the same time, you know, the MLB ordered him to sensitivity training, which to the extent <laughs> that, is, yeah, to the extent that's a thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know. I mean, I, I I laugh only because I just I think that is nothing more than a PR move of we got to do something to make it seem like we care. Uh, you know, but man, oh man, I, I, again, I'm just, you know, there's, there's a reason that we, we all look back and say, oh, I was a dumb kid because when we're, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, we do dumb things. Now those dumb things can vary. Some kids do really, really, really dumb things and they, they haunt them for the rest of their lives. And some kids do dumb things that no one ever knows about. And, and, you know, in your own life, you can look back and say, God, that was dumb. I'm glad no one knows about that. Um, uh, you know, but I am just not a fan of, of again, a 17-year-old kid's social media is breeding ground for dumb. Um, I'm sure he had no, I mean, most kids don't realize that life's going to go on from age 17. They think that they've, you know, they're the king of the world at that point. He probably had no concept that this would ever, you know, be an issue eight years later. Um, and, and I just, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of, of, you know, judging. I mean, same thing happened with Josh Allen on the day of the draft. I just think this is, uh, a bad trend that we're getting well, into. Of, you and, know, and I think it was Laramie Tunsil as well. Right. And, you know, right. where, look, yeah, he did it. Yeah, it was him. The yeah. Tunsil one, I think more than these other ones, even because these other ones are from, High school. Yeah, but. the Tunsil one was, was, you know, well, first of all, video of, uh, you know, and he, he already had some baggage. Uh, you know, there was already some concern about him coming out of Ole Miss and attitude and work ethic and all those things. And, uh, and, and so, it you know, it kind of played into some of the concern that was already there. Um, you know, again, it's not to excuse what was said or what who said what, but Man, I, I just I, I think we got to remember that you know when you're 17, you say and do stupid things often, um, and and uh, especially on social media. And back then, you know, social media was a new thing. That was you know, Twitter Twitter didn't exist 10 years ago, or if it did, it certainly wasn't all that popular. Mm-hmm. Um, the last you know, I always think back. The last time Tiger Woods won a major, there was no Twitter to follow it on. Now I follow him in golf tournaments all the time on Twitter, and like how much things have changed. And so 2011, it was still a fairly new medium and, and, you know, kids did stupid things and they posted stupid things. And, and I just, I'm not comfortable with, you know, judging someone's character based on the stupid things they wrote on Twitter seven years ago. I, I just feel like that's a bad trend we're getting into. On a slightly different angle for this, where is the agent? For these guys, uh, yeah. where, you know, no, you're right. you're where is right. the guy I mean, saying, that's... "Hey, you know what we're gonna do? 
you're going to give your passwords and your handles to <laughs> my intern. And my intern's going to read everything you've posted. Yeah. And if yeah. there's a swear word, if there is uh, something that is borderline, it's exactly. gone. And, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to make yeah. it private until my intern's done. Yeah. No, you're right about that. And I do, I, I would be willing to bet with what's happened with Josh Allen and, and Josh Hader and David Chenso and all, you know, all these stories have been in the last three or four months that you're probably going to have that happen more now, I would assume. I mean, I think, you know, most, most representatives will now be looking at, especially if they're signing, you know, kids that have just turned pro and saying, uh, you know, let's, let's go back through your social media and just make sure there's nothing that's going to cause us a, you know, firestorm down the road uh, if someone decides to do the digging but that's the other thing who decided to do the digging i don't know how much this guy tweets but my god i mean like how far did they have to go back and did they know they were going to find something or was this just like someone decided ah you know let's go back to this guy's twitter account all the way back to its origin and just see if we could find things that are inflammatory who has that much time yeah uh, and know. i'm not that busy of a person don't get me wrong like i've got the, i mean i feel like tommy callahan i got spare time but I don't have the time to do that. Well, and and you wonder how many other guys did he go through first I know. and not yeah, find anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I wonder with stuff like that, like, what is, did you know you were going to find something? Or, yeah, was it just a random, like, hey, this guy's pitching in the All-Star game. Let's dig through his Twitter and see if I can find anything incriminating. Yeah, that's, I uh, yeah, that's not, uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know who those yeah. people are. But one, one other point on this before we move on, which is the Bachelor also could use this. Have somebody just go through the social media posts before you put these guys on the show. Because uh, clearly there are people <laughs> out there with the time, and it's an embarrassment every season. Stuff comes out about people posting stuff that is racist or liking things right. that are racist. Like, right. you know, just – there are clearly people out there who have the time to go through all these people's Twitter accounts. Guess, Just turn them loose on it. Give, them, give yeah. them some money and turn them loose on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's kind of insane, but yeah, I guess so. The uh, the other non-baseball story that came from the All-Star Game was Rob Manfred suggesting that we need to better market Mike Trout, because but we can only do it if Mike Trout better markets yeah. Mike Trout. Right. Um, I think that that was a very obvious mistake by Manfred. Yeah. And I think that the classiness with which the Angels and Trout handled it and the media and social media posts where, you know, like things I didn't know. Do you know that at games on the road sometimes Mike Trout pulls a kid out of the stands if he's wearing an Angels jersey and has him like – come out on the field during like warmups? I didn't know that prior. No. Um, you know, I, I heard something about that today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a uh, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, I watched PTI today and they were talking about it and, and it was funny because as they're talking about it, I'm thinking, and then they both kind of came to the same conclusion that like, God, you know, it's, they couldn't have planned this any better. They, you know, Rob Manfred, by making these comments, has gotten 72 to 96 hours of news about Mike Trout that otherwise we probably wouldn't have been talking about Mike Trout. Um, and, and so the cynical side of me almost says, you know, was this all calculated as a way to kind of, you know, well, okay, he's not going to market himself, and so I'll just throw something out there and, you know, watch the world burn for a few days while there's nothing else to talk about because there isn't. This is the very slowest time of the year at sports, always, you know, the all-star break for baseball so um i don't know maybe that's maybe that's too cynical might be but uh i agree with you i I thought it was an unnecessary jab at him um but you're right i mean you know the end result is that you know it's it's kind of gotten him in the news and positive things said about him and what a great guy he is so you almost think like boy was was this all was this all a setup well and and meanwhile he's sort of lambasted him for not promoting himself more. But the best way that you can do it, if you're a shameless self-promoter, is Shaq or Peyton Manning, where you are kind of like this level, you create this lovable character of who you are. Yeah. Uh, You know, I can't figure out the last baseball player to do that successfully other than maybe... There hasn't been one. I mean, Ricky, 
maybe? Yeah. And that's been, I mean, you know, this is not a new thing. I remember thinking this, and I think we talked about it several years ago. Maybe we did. I, I don't know. But this is not a new thing that baseball does not really have uh, a mega star. And they haven't had one for a while. They've got star players, don't get me wrong. They've got, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you want to see Trout, you want to see Clayton Kershaw, you know. But they don't have a LeBron James or a, a, you know, a Tiger Woods or, a, you know, someone who is a who is a transcendent type of star that if you're not a baseball fan, if you're not even a sports fan, you know that guy. Baseball hasn't had that for a while, really. I mean, Jeter? the home, you know, Jeter, yeah, probably was really the last one. And, and around the same time, Alex Rodriguez, but, you know, he fell into such, you know, disrepair with his public image for a while there at the end of his career. Um, Barry Bonds did, too. Now, Barry Bonds was probably never that big of a star, but people knew who he was. Certainly McGuire and Sosa at the peak of the home run chase. But we're going back. I mean, when we're talking Griffey, McGuire, Sosa, we're going back two decades now, really. I mean, you know, a decade to two decades. I mean, Griffey played into the 2000s, but his peak was in the 90s. Um, So it's been a while since baseball has really had a crossover star who, who, you know, really appeals to to the masses of the nation. It's just that's not the way the sport is right now. I don't know that if Mike Trout was a great self-promoter, it would make that much of a difference, honestly. Yeah. I, I just think about, you know, the ads that baseball players do are geared towards baseball fans. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, I mean, baseball, you know, I'm stealing this point from Dan Levitard, but I think he's, he's right on about this, and he said it for a few years. Baseball's a regional sport now for most of the year. Um, it, you know, it becomes a national news story in the playoffs, and that's really about it. And Mike Trout has barely been in the playoffs. Now, that's not his fault, but they've only made the playoffs once. They got swept out the year they made it. So he hasn't really had an opportunity to, you know, get to an LCS or a World Series, obviously, and become a little bit more of a star. But it really is. I mean, baseball's in an odd place. It's very successful on a local level. Local TV deals are better than they've been. Um, you know, there's, there's regional and local interest, but I bet, I bet for you, I mean, how much, how much of the Red Sox and Yankees have you watched this year? Probably not that much. Almost I'm not. guessing. Almost not. I haven't either. And they're great teams. I haven't watched, you know, I mean, you follow the team you want to follow. I'm not a Diamondbacks fan, you know, but I hear a lot about the Diamondbacks here. Um, you know, you're a Brewer fan. You probably know a lot about the Brewers and a lot about the NL Central, Outside of that, you probably haven't paid that much of a t- not much attention because you know it's really it's regionalized now. Well, and the other thing about baseball, as opposed to the other sports, and maybe I'm just not finding the right thing, but mm-hmm. basketball Twitter and basketball podcasts are yeah. hugely popular. I, You're without, right. without being a huge NBA fan, I am very well informed because I think the podcasts are entertaining and I think basketball Twitter is fun to follow. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. I and mean, baseball Twitter's not. I mean, the trade deadline's no. fun, but there's not. There aren't people who every night are tweeting their thoughts about the games that are right. going on that are that are funny or captivating. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're and right. and I mean, ESPN has dumped baseball tonight, basically. They have. They yeah. have. Yep. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, basketball and social media have been a harmonious marriage. You know, it's been a great, you know, for, for video highlights, for, you know, the, the back and forth, you know, Twitter battles for rumors and news. Um, I can't, I honestly, I can't explain why basketball has hit in that niche and other sports have it, but they haven't. Uh, you know, I mean, even football, as successful as football is, and it's still the king of, of sports in the country, is really not as big of a deal in the Twitter world and the social media world as basketball is. Um, probably there are people who, who could, you know, dig into the reasons why that is and what the NBA did and how they got to that level. But, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, basketball has found a niche with that. And basketball's always been better at establishing stars because it is – it's a sport. You can see the guys. You can, you know, they're not wearing helmets. They're not wearing hats. You see their faces, and they're recognizable. Well, LeBron and, James and you're sitting right there. I mean, right. the, the distance yeah. from you in the ballpark to the second baseman, no matter where your seats yeah. are, is far. Yeah. 
and yeah, yeah, you're the distance between you and any player on the court is not that far, and there's a jumbotron hanging over the middle of every court. That makes everything. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and and I I mean, I really do think it. You know, and this is this is just the nature of the sport. But you know, it's easier to recognize. Kevin Durant, I mean, you know, Kevin Durant's on that commercial for, you know, Google or whatever. But people know who Kevin Durant is because they've seen his face. That's, you know, the basketball highlights, you see Kevin Durant. When Mike Trout was in commercials for Subway, I believe, a few years ago, probably a lot of people didn't know who he was. They're like, uh, who is that guy? Does he play baseball? Because you don't see his face that much. It's just different. I mean, the, the very nature of the sport is you don't see the faces of people as much in in baseball and certainly football as you do in basketball. Yeah, I mean, you might see the hitter on the close up or the pitcher right. on the close up, and otherwise, not right. a lot because right. you see the back of the pitcher's head from far yeah. away yeah. as the yeah. primary shot. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you now look, that's always how baseball's been, and we just said, you know, well, McGuire and Sosa were huge stars in the 90s and Griffey was too and and I mean they wore hats back then it's not like something has changed um, but it's just I, I also think there's there's a lack of a reason for people to care about baseball throughout the season the home run thing really got people when we were kids every year was the home run chase 98 was the peak of it but I remember years prior to that you know like somebody hit 62 home runs could somebody hit 400 um, well, and know, that's the thing really that have. baseball needs is it needs something to captivate you. Yeah. And, yeah. and the problem is the most captivating one would probably be a hitting streak. But that is, right. you know, if you get within 20 of DiMaggio's it's record, it's, yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's, and nobody comes close to hitting 400 anymore. I mean, when we were kids, I remember Tony Gwynn threatened it a couple times. Um, I mean, now I think the National League leader in hitting is, is I read, I think it's Scooter Jeanette. He's hitting like 326. Yeah. And we're not, I mean, we're barely past the halfway mark. So nobody's going to sniff 400 and hasn't for a long time. The home run numbers have been devalued. I mean, I, you and I have talked a lot about the steroid players and we both agree on it. But there, you can't argue that the home run chase all time, single season, it's been totally devalued by what happened in the 90s and 2000s. And, and so there's not a statistical, really, accomplishment to chase. For a while, you know, the interest was, you know, the Red Sox and or the Cubs. And then could they break their long droughts? Would this be the year? Well, they've, they've both won. Yeah. And so I think there's a, there's a struggle to get people invested into the season on a national level. Again, you're yeah. into your local team. But on a national level, what's the reason that you should really care? Yeah. And, and you know, as you get down to the pennant, race in sure. September people start you know yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. start paying a lot more attention will. on that second wild card spot yeah. and who, you yeah, know. absolutely I mean the postseason will generate interest as it as it does um, but yeah I mean as far as driving stars you know basketball is your you know you're right I mean you can you can check you know Twitter on a January night in the NBA and there's something that's making news somebody's going for 40 points or somebody threw down a big poster dunk or, or made, you know, seven threes in a quarter or something like that, you know? So even if that team has no chance to win a title or maybe that player is not an MVP for a night, they could be the biggest thing going. Baseball just lacks that right now. And I, I don't know how that changes. It's not a simple change to make. You can't just snap your fingers and make it happen. Well, and, and I'm not sure as a fan, I want it to happen because the, the part yeah. about baseball, if you like consistency and you like yeah. – baseball gives you that. There, there's no sure. better sport – You know, maybe I'd entertain golf if you're a golf fan. But there's yeah. really for me no better sport on a Sunday afternoon to just sure. sort of have on. You're doing other Turn stuff. You're checking in. in you, yeah, yeah. Be, because right. you don't miss things and if you do – it's loud, and you can look yeah. back, and they'll show you a replay. And, and golf is exactly that way. So you, I would I would agree with you. I do watch, especially this time of year. You know, after basketball ends and before football starts, my weekends are usually watching golf. Even if I mean, like this week's a major. You know, but last weekend I watched the John Deere Classic. I didn't really care who won. 
but I watched because it's something you could just turn on from 12 to 3 on a Sunday and a Saturday and, you know, kill three hours while you're watching golf. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I, I agree with you on that completely. And, and so I'm not sure the, – the problem is people's attitudes are changing and, you know, I heard some talk about, well, the World Cup's too slow for people and that doesn't even have commercial breaks. But, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, you and I are not the best – uh, to discuss it because you and I are both baseball fans. You more so than me, but I, you know, I like baseball. Always, always have. I, you know, my years working ASU baseball were thrilling. Uh, you know, I, I remember being so tense. But you know, it's hard to. It is. It's got to be hard to take a kid, a, you know, a young kid who maybe hasn't, you know, watched much baseball, and say, "Sit down with me, and watch a baseball game. This is so exciting." They're going to sit there and they're going to think, uh, it's exciting to watch the catcher come out and talk to the pitcher. No. Uh, you know, it's exciting to watch this, you know, this guy shake off the catcher six times. No. I mean, you and I can appreciate the nuance, but the younger generation that, that doesn't really live for nuance is not riveted by baseball. Well, and part of that also, I, you know, I guess this is just the way of all pro sports and I, I don't need to get back on my soapbox of athlete. The games are now generally not built to attend in person. Right. And the problem right. is baseball is best in person. It is. And, it is. But it's cost prohibitive. And right. and football's cost prohibitive and, and basketball's yeah. cost prohibitive. But those are sports, especially football, that are really better on TV. They are. You they know? are. Co- college maybe NFL. not, but yeah, pro for but sure. You're right. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Sundays in the NFL – I mean, I, I I experienced both last year. I went to some games here, and then there were some Sundays I just stayed home. And the Sundays I stayed home were more fun. You know, you got if you got Sunday ticket, you can watch you know eight games at once in the morning. It's great if you if you're like me and you just you know you don't have one team you're really interested in. You just want to watch a bunch of different football. It's much better to just be at home watching it than at a stadium where you're really only seeing one game and maybe a select highlight or two during breaks. And with the influx of importance for fantasy football, yeah. it, why would I go to that game? I'm going to miss out on the right. injury to the number two running back for the Broncos, <laughs> and I need to make right. a move. Right, you know. right. Well, and, and, you know, I don't do a lot of fantasy, but, I mean, I found so that, you know, the Cardinals always play when they're playing on Sunday afternoon. They're playing the later game. But in order to get out there and avoid getting in traffic and all that, you got to get out there about an hour before so you miss the second halves of the morning games. I mean, I, you know, I would try to watch them on my phone when I could or something like that, but it's it's not the same. And I know already I'm thinking ahead to this year and thinking I'm probably not going to go to as many games because I'd rather I'd rather be home. I'd rather, you know, be home watching all the morning games. And, you know, I might go to two or three Cardinal games, but I'm not going to as many as I did last year. It's more fun to watch them at home. But you're right about baseball. Baseball is a sport where the, you know, the nuance is best appreciated in person. Yeah. And maybe that's why it never it caught on on Twitter the way. Maybe not. You know, maybe not. Yeah. Because yeah. saying you know reading a tweet from Tom Hodricourt, the Brewers beat writer, of what a pitch by Corbin Burns. <laughs> but it, you know it, when right. somebody says, "Wow, what a dunk!" and they show you the GIF eight thousand different ways. Here, right. if it, you know, you watch the pitch and you're like. Uh, yeah, it was a great pitch, but if it happened yeah. on a two-one count to just make it two-two, like nothing true, happened, true. you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, if you're at no, the stadium I mean, and you watch it bend, you know, a foot and a right. half, and you're like, "Wow, that's awesome." Well, and you just you get the you get the romantic notion of being in the park and the sound of the you know the crack of the bat and, and you know the traditions of you know the umpires meeting at home plate before the game starts and they you know they all punch the home plate umpire on the shoulder right you know, as the players run out. But again, that's nuance, and you know, kids in general don't really love nuance, and and especially kids today. Not to sound like an old man, but. You know, they don't have to love nuance. They, you know, they read Twitter, they watch highlights, they, they you know, everything's kind of instant. Uh, baseball's not an instant gratification sport. You got to hang with it. And I just, I think that's why it struggles to attract the interest of a younger generation because they don't have a lot of time, they don't have a lot of patience to hang with it. Yeah. If you're not content with the slow build or, or the fact right. that, look, 
on any given pitch, the whole complexion of a game can change. But sure, sure. but more likely Most than not, the the <laughs> yeah, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> odds are the pitch will be accepted. taken, and if it's not yes. taken, odds are it'll be an out. Right, and, right. Yeah, I mean, when you're invested in the game. As I was when I worked at ASU, those you know those three four years I did baseball. I mean, baseball can feel incredibly tense from the very first inning. If you're if you're really into the game, it's you know there's a postseason on the line or something like that. I mean, it, it, the tension can can be as good as any sport, but you have to be invested. It's it's not it's not like football or basketball where they're fast moving. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of, you know, football, you got the contact, although less of it than used to, but still you got that notion of a, you know, physicality of the sport. Basketball's fast moving. Baseball's not that. And so if you are not invested in the outcome, it's a hard sport to, you know, to just sit down and say, yeah, watch this baseball game for three hours or three and a half or maybe four. We really don't know. Like that, that's the other element. There's no, there's no time cap. And for kids, I don't think that's a great way to generate interest. Not to say they should change the rules. I'm not suggesting that. But that's one thing that makes baseball stand out from everything else. Yeah, it's one of those things, I guess, that goes to the what are you looking for. And when there's the time crunch and the two-minute drill right. or the need to start fouling and pressing, right. Like, right. that's interesting. And, yeah, baseball lacks that because you don't know. I mean, you can go – you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, my friend here, I, I know he went to a game earlier this year with his son and they were there for two hours and they saw four innings. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get into games when, you know, you could be there for an hour and see four innings or two hours and see four innings. You really don't know. Yeah. They really should tell you beforehand, does the pitcher work quickly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it would be nice. And I, I remember when I was younger, when I still lived in Tucson, my dad and I would take the shuttle up sometimes. And it seems like so many of those times we'd take the shuttle, we'd see Armando Reynoso pitch for the D-backs. Mm-hmm. And he was so slow. Like, I mean, he was a slow worker. And you just knew, like, well, you know, because we knew we were staying for the whole game. Shuttle didn't leave until after the game. Like, well, you know, book three and a half hours for this game because it's not going to go fast. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, I've gotten to see Brent Suter pitch for the Brewers a lot this year. Yeah. And he's one of those guys where – the ball comes back from the catcher. He's standing on the rubber. He, Which know. is nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, baseball's a lot like golf in that sense. Again, kind of a comparison. There's some golfers you watch and it's like, you know, one guy hits and then they show and the next guy's ready to putt. Like, God, that's great. Because, I mean, so many times, and I love golf, but, you know, it is hard to get. It, there are times it's excruciating watching golf and thinking, just hit the next shot. Like, just get to it. How many times, how many ways can you look at this putt? Just get up and hit it. And baseball could be the same way. Just just throw the pitch. Just get in the box and hit. Stop with the delay tactics. Yeah. Anyway, we've gotten we've gotten far afield from Mike Trout, but I really I believe the stuff about Mike Trout is kind of a symptom of baseball overall. It's I mean it's not it's not a dying sport by any means. I'm not ringing the alarm bells that baseball is going to be dead in ten years. Um, but you know, does it, is it going to struggle to attract the younger generation continually? I think so. And I'm not sure how much can really be done to change that. I think baseball is just going to keep being baseball. I think so too. I I think so too. I think it need, I think it's going to be content to be what it is. Um, again, it's not dying. It doesn't need radical overhaul, but the notion of what can we do to attract the younger generation? I'm not sure you can. I really don't know that you can unless you change the very fabric of the sport and then you start to put off the people who love the sport. So, you know, I mean, if you want to start putting in a clock and, and you know, have fast moving, well, you're going to start turning off people like you who love the, the nuance of baseball. So, yeah, I think you have to just be content with what you are. Yeah, it'll be very interesting moving forward to see what they do or if they just yeah. embrace, you know, being what they are. Yeah. Look, baseball's a, baseball's a sport for in-person radio. Yeah. It's perfect for radio. It is. It is. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's a sport for older folks. And mm-hmm. and we're fast becoming those older folks. Um, you know, uh, and, and it just is. It's always been a sport that's kind of geared itself more toward the 
older generations, and I think that will probably continue. Speaking of the older generations, ASU's football coach is a member of that. That he is. And the Vegas odds came out for over-unders, and ASU's over-under is pegged at four and a half. Yeah. And Jeff Metcalf on the podcast with Howler was talking about Mm -hmm. how he certainly thinks we won't only win three. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I heard that. Boy, oh boy, yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because I heard that like, you know, I have never covered an ASU team that's only won three games. I'm like, well, three should be – I mean, we're we're not setting the bar at three, are we? I mean, they won four in 01 and 09. Right. 09, yeah, that was the – Howler said it was when Rudy was not here for that. They won five in 08. Four and eight in 09 was the worst year I can remember. Um, And and that since, you know, since the schedules expanded to 12, um, you know, is the worst year I know. So, yeah, I mean, you know – uh, like I, I'm not, I don't have tremendously high expectations for this year. Don't get me wrong, but boy, if we're talking three as the bar, I'm a little bit concerned. I was told to expect championships. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, I am not going to stomach. I don't know. Did you listen to the last podcast they did where they talked about you know how long is the honeymoon for Herm? Yeah, maybe a couple weeks ago. And I listened to it. It was when I was driving back to Tucson, so I listened to the whole thing at once. And you know, I'm driving by myself, and so you know, I get, you know, nobody to talk to. So I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, the honeymoon isn't long, but the honeymoon doesn't mean that nothing matters this year. Like I, I'm not gonna say you got to deliver that championship this year, but I even as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking three and nine, and this is not a honeymoon year. I'll give you six and six as a honeymoon year, maybe even five and seven, maybe. But, you know, if this year's disastrous, you don't get a honeymoon because I don't have that. Again, as we've discussed many, many, many times and we will continue to, we were told not to have patience. So well, I don't have and, patience. And he's not a hire for patience. Right. Right. You know, exactly. If they had brought in Mike Norvell or Billy yeah. Napier, that is a hire where you're telling you're me. building. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you won seven games last year in a year that most people expected you were going to win four or five, including you and me. Um, I mean, we, we were, you know, after the loss to Texas Tech, when we were one and two, both of us were prepared for, you know, a three and nine type of finish. And we ended up winning seven games. And so not that's now Ray Anderson says seven games isn't enough. I agree with him. I don't want to hold a parade for a seven and five year, but you can't discount that it was overachieving for what people expected. You said that wasn't good enough, and so yeah, taking a major step back with a lot back, and you you lost some, but it's not like you lost you know twenty starters from that seven and five team. You got no. your quarterback back, you got your top receiver back, you got your pretty much your entire offensive line back. You got yeah. a lot of defensive players. You've back. got like, your you've got your two highest rated running backs from right. you know recruiting services right. Uh, right. in a long you time. Know. You, you've, got all of your specialists. Back. you've got all, all of your, of your specialists. specialists. Yep, exactly. So we're, this is not a rebuild. And, and, and yeah, the and schedule's tough. Let's be honest. You've got one year of Nikhil Harry. That's it. Right. He's gone. This is it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you put a lot of eggs in the Manny Wilkins basket. Well, he's a senior, so he's gone. So, so yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, the, the notion of like, well, this is a building year. Well, but then you can already foresee the, well, now we got a new starting quarterback and we lost our top receiver. Like, I, I don't have the patience to, to generate the, um, not generate, tolerate uh, the, you know, yearly excuses, basically, of, I mean, you're going to lose players. It's college sports. You're never going to bring back the exact same team from the year before. Well, and so, you announced Manny was your guy before right. before spring camp. Right. Manny was your guy. It wasn't right. DSC had a chance. It not wasn't a competition. You, you, know, you know, that's why Brady White and Blake Barnett are not here anymore because you pretty much said this is the guy, and that's fine. He did. You know, he had a nice year last year. He had a solid year the year before. I'm not anti Manny Wilkins by any means, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, if you're putting a, you you can't say next year. Well, we right. we don't have a quarterback. It's like, well, you <laughs> handed him this job, yeah, and exactly. you knew what exactly. you had in the cupboard. And yes. I, I mean, yes. I do find it interesting that you know their two highest rated recruits that they have are both uh, quarterbacks in this incoming right. class. Right. I I still assume that it would be DSC's job to lose. 
Yeah, I would think he's the favorite, but not a not a slam dunk. I, yeah, I mean, based on unless things change, unless something happens this year. I mean, if, if you know Manny gets hurt and he steps in and plays well, obviously the the dynamic changes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're a hundred percent right. You know, you've got you've got Nikhil Harry, who's who's a borderline, you know, maybe a first round pick type of player. We haven't had a first round pick here since Terrell Suggs, right? Or no, I guess Demarius Randall was. Forgot about him, but. You know, been a long time since we've had a what feels like a legit top of the line NFL prospect at any position. You got him. He's he's probably almost certainly here for one more year, and that's it. Your quarterback's going to be gone after this year, no matter how good or bad he is. He's a senior. He's gone after this year. So yeah, you can't say, well, this year's our building year, and then give us 2019, and then say, oh, never mind, 2019. We we need more more patience for building because now we have a new quarterback. Like yeah, that's the reality of it. Which leads to this interesting thing for me. I didn't like the Herm signing as a head coach. Yeah. Then I have, you know, been force fed the Kool Aid and, and I've started to develop a taste for it. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah, we, we're we're drinking it, we're enjoying it. But for the, now. But the national media hasn't. No. And and so now we're kind of, is this just, should we have our expectations adjusted back down because all these other people who aren't drinking the Kool-Aid are looking at this and still saying, oh, this is not going to work. No, and, and and you're right. I mean, and, and again, my expectations for this year alone, I am not, I mean, I know you said it and I, you know, I'm not expecting a championship this year of any kind. I'm not expecting, you know, I mean, because you are making a change. You are, Howler points out, he's correct. You know, you're you're now you haven't recruited for this defensive scheme, and pretty much all your personnel was recruited to play a different scheme, and it's not that good of personnel anyway. Um, you know, and and so there's going to be bumps. The schedule looks difficult, but we don't really know how difficult it's going to be yet. Everybody preparing for this schedule to be nightmarish. Like, let's wait and see how good some of these Pac-12 teams are. Especially. I mean, I think we don't Michigan know. State is going to be tough, tough. And, and, and at San Diego yeah, State. And, is it could be tough and then at washington who i think is the best team in the pac-12 you know that's a tough way to start no doubt but the you know and and we'll get into this as we you know talk about our football you know game by game to me the big stretch of this year is the last part the november stretch i don't know what to expect from any of those four teams those four teams could all be really good or they could all be average or worse. And, and so that is going to really dictate what I think about this season because Utah, UCLA, Oregon, Arizona, none of those teams jump out right now as like, oh, boy, they look incredible. Or, boy, those teams are really – none of those teams are very good. We should roll over them. That's, that stretch could go either way. And there's just – there's no way right now to know how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not expecting greatness this year, but, you know, Haller's, Haller's question about, you know, how long is the honeymoon period? Well, it depends on how this year goes. I'm willing to give a honeymoon period if things look okay, if the team looks better in November than they do in September, that type of thing. Well, and um, also, I guess, is define honeymoon period. Am I okay right. if this year we are, you know, six and six, five and seven? Probably, probably, but, I am. but yeah. I'm I'm not happy at all if we're worse than that. And me neither. If we go down a level, you right. know, if I we, mean, you know, if we're if we're four wins or less, that's a three win at least reduction from what we had last year with a returning starting quarterback and a returning offensive line and an all American receiver. So why would you say that's okay? Like, I mean, why would you say, well, you know what? Yeah, three and nine, okay, we'll get better. No, no, um, you know. And also, some of it is just simply how you how you play, how you look. I mean, I, you know, rather than just put a win number on it, are you making stupid mistakes? Is the coaching staff doing dumb things? Are you playing guys that should? You know, I mean, there are times where you can watch teams and think this team looks really poorly run. That's that to me. This is not a honeymoon period for that. If the team looks poorly run, I don't care if they get beat. Like they're going to get beat by some teams that are just better. I get it. But do they look like they have a clue or not? I mean, if we go to Washington and we get beat by 50 points. That's a concern. If we go up there and get beat by two touchdowns against the top 10 team. All right. 
you know, I mean, that happens, uh, you know, but so how you how you play also matters to me as much as the wins and losses this year. Absolutely. I think along those same lines has to do with, you know, one of the things that we were sold that turned out to be a bill of goods was (laughs) we're keeping the assistants, the coordinators and and everything's going to be the same. And and it's not at all. And it's not at all. And, and so new, now two I, new coordinators, I, one brand new, obviously, who was not here at all. And, and that's kind of one of the things I'm very curious about is, you know, I think that it's possible that we will just get whooped by Michigan State in week two because I'm not sure the defense can play a three three five with the guys we have. The yeah, secondary was a concern, yeah. and now the the design is to have more guys from so the we'll secondary. Have more secondary guys, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that. That game's going to be interesting, and I'm not quite sure. You know, we got a while before we got to do our game by game, and I can talk myself into us winning that game because it's at home and because it starts at, you know, 1030 Eastern. And so if you're, you know, Michigan State, you're on Eastern time, that game's going to be finishing about 1 a.m. your time. Um, you know, fourth quarter is going to be starting about 1 a.m. your time probably. So there, there are some inherent advantages that we're going to have in that game. Um, that smell like possible upset to me. Not sure I'm going to go with it yet, but I feel like there's a possibility of that. Um, but, you know, the trip to Washington feels like, yeah, that's a really tough way to start the Pac-12. I think that's the best team in the conference by a pretty good margin. Um, and San Diego State's no gimme in between those two. So, yeah, could the opening stretch easily be one and three? Sure. But how do you get to that one and three is what I'm concerned about. If you're one and three, first of all, do you get better from there? Secondly, do you look clueless in those first four games? Or do you look like you're at least, you know, you're learning, you're getting there, you're just not quite there yet? Those are the those are the degrees that I care about this year. Yeah, I mean it it depends in a lot of ways on what do we see in that first game. Yeah. As it often does. Yeah, if I expect we'll win, but if we win a game where we're tied at halftime and our yeah. starters are playing into the fourth quarter and we need it, yeah, that you know. Well, and it's it's. I mean, I should acknowledge UTSA is not Sacramento State, or so you know. I mean, we Although have played they let, some they, absolute cakewalks. They lost yeah. their best defensive player in the draft. They did. They did. I mean, we should beat them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not like pulling a Lou Holtz here and acting like UTSA is a top ten caliber team. But they're a Division One A school. They went to a bowl game. Um, they played us very tough a couple years ago at their place. We had a hard time winning that game. This is not. You know, it's not Sacramento State. It's not Cal Poly. You know, we've played some opening games against teams that were simply horrendous, and we could go through the motions. This is not that. I mean, we will. We will need to play well to beat them convincingly can we beat them with an average effort probably but you know to actually go out there and have a convincing opening win we'll need to play well i mean you know i don't think it's a game we're going to win by six touchdowns by just showing up the team's going to have uh, another off season of not getting to go to camp t mm-hmm. the pr rollout um turned into a big letdown they're they're putting yeah. in new turf that will make it impossible for us to have weather bar us from participating right. at Camp T, except the turf's not ready because of weather? <laughs> because of weather. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I know you listen to the same podcast, and Metcalf points are all correct. Do you want to do the field wrong? Absolutely not. Do you want to send the players up there and, and put them in physical jeopardy by putting them on a, you know, on a poorly done field? Absolutely not. His points are all correct. My biggest point with this is if you weren't 100% sure it could be ready, don't announce it because it looks bad now. I mean, and, and I didn't realize this, but I'm sure you heard Howler say, you know, reporter from ESPN, reporter from New York Times, we're going to go to Camp Tanazona. And now that's another egg on your face moment for us with the national media, which, as you just said, people aren't buying in yet anyway. But they want to come, they want to come see the circus. So it was a chance to get them to buy in, and now you're saying, oh, never mind, we're not going to be there. Sorry. It just makes us look amateur. And I understand college athletics is amateur, but 
the production I mean, of college athletics yeah, is professional. Is not, is mm-hmm. not. And, and I mean, I'll say this, and the timing of it was interesting. So I, I finally um, got the ability, uh, you know, I met up with my old boss there at ASU, Mark Brand, and a shout out to Mark Brand, great PR guy. He's not listening, but if anybody is listening and can tell him, you know, gave me a tour on that Thursday last week of the football facility. Finally got to go through it. It was awesome. I mean, it looks the part. The branding is great. The history, you know, acknowledgement is great. All the bells and whistles you could want. Really cool. And and I left there thinking, man, this is what we need to be. We need to be big time. And then the next day you hear this and it's like, eh, it just feels like, you know, step forward, step back. And that's been ASU football for the better part of well, several decades, really. Certainly our time here and, and after but even well before that, for every step forward, there seems to be an equal step back, if not a bigger step back. I think that we'll be able to get Matt Barry from ESPN to come back out there because he's an ASU alum. He's an ASU guy. Yeah. I, don't, I, mean it, I don't know if the New York Times will come back. I mean, and they may still come to Tempe, but the whole I'm sure the whole thing was, you know, hey, come to Camp Tonazona. It's unique. It's something different about ASU. Something different that that makes us different than anybody else is this Camp Tonazona. Lots of teams practice in bubbles. Lots of teams have new fancy facilities. I mean, our facility is nice, but it doesn't hold a candle to what, you know, Clemson has and Alabama has. And, and we know that. We're, we're, we're aware of that. But um, this was something different. And it just, again, it's another moment to have egg on your face, which is just, that's the thing that bothers me. Is it the right decision if the field's not ready? To not go up there, 100% it is. I certainly would not say, well, you just need to go up there anyway. Or you need to rush the field and put it in because that's what they did with the bubble. And we saw the disaster that that was when it you know, popped in the storm and we couldn't use it for a year. Um, so, yeah, you want to do it right. You don't want to rush it. But then just don't announce it. Just say in March, hey, you know, we're working on the field. And if we can get it done in time, we're going to Camp T, but we'll let you know more in July. Yes. But when you go three months saying it's going to happen and then you pull the rug out, people are going to be upset. If you just announce we are starting renovations on the field at Camp T because yeah. it is important, as we have seen the last few years, to get it in a condition where it's an all-weather field because right. the weather in you know, exactly. pacing. I mean, that's and, always been an issue there is you get practices rained out because you, know, you can't practice on that field when it's wet. And you know we appreciate all of the, the help Payson High School has given us. Sure. But we'd like to be able to just stay at Camp T. So we're going to make that change now. And yeah. ideally, if the weather holds and everything goes according to plan, we'll be there this fall. And if not, then in the fall then of 2019, we'll be there in 2019. Be, you know. Exactly. Exactly. It's all in how you approach it. And I don't know how long ago it was. I mean, it was at least April, maybe, maybe prior, maybe February or March, that we got the dates for Camp T, when the scrimmage was going to be. And, and, you know, people are excited and Herm Edwards wants to call it Camp Cush and blah, 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 blah. And, and then, you know, less than a month before you're supposed to go, it's, uh, never mind, it's not ready yet. It just makes you look bad. It's, it's the type of thing that, you know, can you imagine something like this happening at Clemson? Not a chance. They wouldn't allow it to happen. And I realize that's, a, that's maybe apples and oranges, but it shouldn't be. You know, comparing us to Clemson should not be apples and oranges. Well, it's also a question of, you know, is it possible Clemson would do something where they would try this and and the state and the field wouldn't be ready in time? Sure. That's a legitimate possibility. Is it a legitimate possibility that Clemson will try this, have announced it publicly and then fail? No. Right. Absolutely not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the. You know, I mean, I don't like this guy. No, you do. Can you imagine how miserable Nick Saban would make life on someone if they said they were going to do something, some facility was going to be ready, and then it's a, never mind, it's not going to be ready. He wouldn't tolerate it. There's just no way. Well, I mean, he wouldn't tolerate sim- it. Simply put, the facility would be ready. And, right, and, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, and part of the know, issue, and I hate to say it, but part of the issue may be we just don't have the money because – Right. You know, if Oklahoma State announced this and it was there was a shortfall and it's like, okay, well, T. Boone Pickens is going to pay to have someone around the clock working on this to right. make it work. Right. Phil, right. Phil Knight right. at Oregon. There was no chance that Matthew Knight Arena was not going to open as scheduled. Right, right. 
right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. And and, and uh, maybe, although I should say it did open one series late, and we got to play at that's the right. Mac. That's right. You're right. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it just it just um in in, in the it's one of those things that like the the news itself is not that big a deal. We were only going to practice up there for a few days. Um, you know, is it probably better to practice in town? You have, you know, you have all your meeting rooms, you have all your technology, you have more space at your facility. Yeah. But it's, it's the appearance of things. And that is, that is half the battle in college sports. I mean, pro sports too, but certainly in college sports, it's the appearance of things. And that's why the, the facility was so impressive because I'm like, man, you can see, you know, a kid walking through here with his parents on a visit and they're going to be impressed. Whereas they probably didn't used to be. You took them through the old stuff like, oh, this is it. You know, this is cool looking. And, you know, Camp T doesn't really appeal to recruits, but it's just, it's a, it's a black mark with your fans. And your fan base is already kind of tenuous right now because of this Herm Edwards thing. You got a lot of people who are cautiously in, but, you know, ready to pull their card pretty quickly if things go bad. This is not a good way to endear loyalty. Yeah. I mean, there's there's people who will always be ASU fans like you and me, regardless. But this and is you know fraught this, with peril. <laughs> it is, and you know this fan, this fan, this city is fickle, and this you know ASU and Phoenix sports fans in general are fickle, and and so when you do stuff like this, and again, you're you're already kind of on you know on uh, borrowed time in some ways with people because there's a lot of people who are thinking this coach hire is a disaster. What are you doing? Well, this just gives more fuel to the fire for those people who say, look at this. You can't trust this guy. Now, is Ray Anderson actually putting in this field? No, but he's the AD. He's going to be the public face of things. And so people are going to say, can't even trust this guy to put in a practice field. How can you trust his decision to hire a football coach? And the problem is, as we've talked about, you have goodwill. This kind of goes to the, the pop discussion at the beginning with Kawhi. You've built up enough goodwill that, okay, you're not going to cash in for picks or you're going to take guys to try to make one more push before he goes away. Yeah, he's absolutely earned the right to do that. R.C. Buford's earned the right to do that. Sure. Ray Anderson generated a lot of goodwill with the hirings in softball and basketball. Bobby Hurley, yeah. And he spent – a significant amount of that capital on Herm. He spent a little bit more of that capital on Tracy Smith this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, the Herm thing, as we've discussed many times, don't know if it's going to work out or not. But you've read the same stories I have. And, they, you know, Ray continues to come at it with this, I know something you don't know mentality. And there's a whole lot of people that have been waiting since January, and they're still waiting, but they're getting anxious to say, I told you so. And this is the type of thing. Now, this has nothing to do with her. But again, you've made a big deal of we're going to improve this Camp T facility. We're going to have this better field. We're going to be there in August. And then you have to pull the rug out in July. It doesn't It doesn't build trust with a fan base that's already ready to not trust you. And, and ASU football fans, and there's a difference. There's people who are ASU fans and there's people who are ASU football fans. They're already leaning against trusting him because of the hire of Herb Edwards. Yeah. Well, he he spent an awful lot of capital to fire Todd Graham, who yes. ended the year, you know, six and four. On a positive note. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he did. Now, I've maintained a lot of these people that are, you know, oh, Todd was a great guy. I love Todd. Uh, if we hadn't come out and beaten Arizona in the second half, they wouldn't have been – many of those people would not have been rushing to his defense. In fact, they would have been you know, help, ready to help him pack his office the next day. Um, people are putting too much stock in one half of football against an average Arizona football team um, without their starting quarterback, admittedly. But, yeah, I mean, he had engendered some goodwill. He ended on a positive note. People, people liked him. Um, and, and, you know, to get rid of him, People hedged on that to get rid of him in favor of someone who hasn't coached football for nine years and hasn't coached college football for almost 30. People are really leery of that. And so, yeah, there's, there's a, there's, I mean, it's kind of, you know, he's, he's walking a tightrope and the Camp T News just shook the tightrope even more. Yeah. Look, if we come out and we wind up in the, uh, 
the Alamo Bowl or the Holiday sure. Bowl. Nobody's going to remember that we didn't go to Camp T. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, if it's a good season, nobody's going to say, you know, that season was a little less important because we missed Camp T. But rest assured, if it's a bad season, just as, as people did this when Erickson was here, there will be ASU football fans who blame it on that, which I think is ridiculous, but it will happen. It's a uh, bad season omen. was ruined. The season was ruined because we didn't go to Camp T. ASU will never be any good if they don't go to Camp T. I think that's insane, but a whole lot of older fans truly do believe that. Yeah, there's a mix there of mysticism yes. and superstition that yeah. say we have to yeah. go to Camp T to have a good season. In order to have any success. Now, no, 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 it's yeah. not the other way. Camp T does no, not exactly. ensure a successful <laughs> I season. Say, I mean, yes, we went to Camp T before both Rose Bowl years. Uh, we've also been to Camp T about 40 other years that we haven't gone to the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, it's it's not a sure thing, but there are there are people who truly believe, and I'm sure there are people right now saying, well, this season's going to be a disaster anyway, but we're not going to Camp T. And you will never have any success if they don't go to Camp T for the fall. We will be previewing every game for ASU. That's right. But before we do that, we're going to give you – a preview of what we think all of college football is going to look like and what we think the NFL is going to look like. And all of that is going to start before the end of July. That's right. That's right. It's coming soon. It is right around the corner. So be prepared for that. I'm going to go enjoy the Dodgers Brewers series this weekend. There you go. And uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben, both in our respective locations, not traded for anyone this offseason. That's right. That's right. (laughs) It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.